Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with T's, the talented, the thoughtful, and sadly, being a podcast, you can't appreciate this now, but the telegenic Mary Abijay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Teletubby. <laughs> Hello, Chris DeSantis. Hello, everybody. My name is Mary Abajay, and I would like to introduce to you my co-host, the talkative, the tasteful, the twinkly, and the tenacious Chris DeSantis. <laughs> twinkly, twinkly. I'm pluckish from a previous episode. Pluckish and twinky. You twinkly. are twinkly. <laughs> twinkly. He's a twinky. You are very twinkly. You have always have a little sparkle in your eye, a little, a little, you know, a little, you know, uh, flipping your in your step. Like you're, you're very twinkly. All right, <laughs> Chris Santos. So I've called you here today not yes. to talk about your twinkleness, no. uh, but to talk about our show. And today we're going to be talking about money. Yeah. And I'm calling today's show, Show Me the Money. Because we money. are going to be talking about getting paid. We're going to be talking about getting paid fairly. We're going to be talking about talking about getting paid. We're just going to be talking about money today. And so before before we do, we're also going to be talking about our show because we've got a, some nice listener comments. So I'm really? going to hear one. Yeah. I certainly um, do. All right. So... Uh, uh, dear Cubicle Confidential, I enjoy your fun-loving educational show. You and Chris are so real and have such a wonderful chemistry, which makes it a joy to listen and learn from you each week. Kudos to your underpaid producer as well. Keep the episodes coming. Signed, thankful patron of Cubicle Confidential. Well, that's so nice. <laughs> that's really nice. And that's Jack's first shout out. Yeah, Jack got, okay, he got a mention. He got a mention. And this is not the right show for Jack to listen to because it's Show Me the Money. And again, you know, he may get some <laughs> ideas in his head about about getting paid. He'll try to unionize. He's going to try to unionize it. <laughs> All right, so so Chris DeSantis, before we get into the questions, a couple yes. just general things I want to know about you. What's your general comfort level in talking about money in general? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. When you say talking about money, do you mean asking for a raise or or what I do you mean? I mean talking about money, like you know, talking about salary, just discussing how much things cost, like just talking about money, about no, your money. No, I I'm old school in that. I don't I don't necessarily talk about the money. I probably skirt it. I might say things that was expensive or it was cheap, but I I, I usually stay away from dollar amounts yeah what about you? you oh no i'm always like how much money do you make what oh, you, would you, you what'd your house cost you <laughs> how much would you pay for those shoes <laughs> well, i can tell you this i never pay retail <laughs> <laughs> no i you know i i, I think it's because i grew up in a family where money wasn't taboo and mm. so we talked about it openly all the time like i knew when you know my father was a nightclub owner and so i knew when you know times were good and where times weren't so good so my family always really talked about money very openly that's so, a cash business too though was right? a cash business right so we saw money and you know we so we i think both my sister and i developed a fairly healthy respect for money mm -hmm. um and an understanding of it so i i am not
not afraid to ask about money. And I, and I think people need to talk about money more often. I think a lot of the reasons why people aren't financially savvy is because there's this, you know, taboo against talking about money. Well, I also think when you start to talk about money, it's how you, who you're talking to yeah. and how they might hear it. So if I say, oh, yeah, these, these, oh, these shoes, they cost nothing. They're only $700. Now, that's a lot of money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a lot of money. So having somebody who says that to you say, this costs nothing, all of a sudden, that puts you at a different place than that other person. Yeah. And so I, th- I think part of that is I'm, I refrain because it's inappropriate to, to either express your socioeconomic difference or or reveal your lack of what, having one. <laughs> no, you know, that's actually a really good point. You know, when I'm thinking about talking about money, I guess I was thinking more about like the cost of things. Yes, you know, no, that like makes... saving. But, but, but even right, that reveals. Even that reveals. Like I remember one time um, when I owned the bar, a, an employee asked me like, something like I think he asked me well how much did you invest to start the business and I said to him because I wanted to be honest be very transparent like you know my sister and I and our other partner we each put in fifteen thousand dollars and I said to him you know that was a lot of money but it wasn't life-changing money uh Mm -hmm. and he's looked at me said well Mary that would be life-changing money for a lot of people and I was like oh so on the one hand I thought I was being very transparent and open because in case you want to do one this is what it costs but that comment wasn't very helpful. Yeah. Well, I'll give you another example. I, I, I know a number of married couples who have children who are going to college. And one of the pastimes in certain socioeconomic groups apparently is complaining about how much you are spending for their college tuition. I think it's a form of bragging in yeah. the sense that oh, look Good how point. much I'm putting out here. And, and, I, and I think that, again, that, that's, that's talking money. I don't know if it's appropriate necessarily because they're trying to say, oh, look how much it's costing me. But they're also trying to say, look how much I must be making to afford it. That's a good point. You're making me think about 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 my a little uh, more discretion there, Mary. A little, little more, more discretion. discretion. <laughs> I'm still going to ask you how much your college is costing your kids. So how much are you paying? <laughs> oh, everyone will tell you that because they, right, they'll tell you. All right. So today I have three questions for you. One is yeah. about uh, one is about like uh, pay unfairness. Another one is simply how to get a raise. And the third one uh, we're going to talk about today is around pay transparency, mm. uh, which as you can imagine, I'm a big fan of. All right. So mm-hmm. you ready for our first question? Let's go. All right. This is from Exhausted and Bitter in El Paso. Dear Mary and Chris, over a year ago, I learned that someone equal in job title and experience makes around 35% more money than I do. We have been at the same company for the same amount of time, and we have the same amount of work experience. Before I learned about our pay difference, I was working nights and weekends and being proactive and dependable. When I found out about our pay difference, I went straight to the boss. He gave me a small raise and a small bonus during a year where no one else got one, uh, And so since then, I really stepped up my game even more. Management tells me that I am very valuable and one of their best hires. Well, of course you are. You're working cheap. Um, (laughs) On the other hand, uh, Exhausted says, my cohort works only a fraction of the hours that I do, has no accountability, no goals, and no deadlines. This person has dropped the ball too many times to count. So guess who has picked Mm. up many of those responsibilities? And my salary still is isn't close to what it should be. Hmm. I really like my job, but clearly my starting salary was far less and trying to catch up might be impossible. What should I do? Sincerely, exhausted and bitter 
in El Paso. Chris hmm. DeSantis, I'm talking well, okay. to you. Well, first of all, I think your colleague has, does a better job of negotiating, so they got that going for them, right? Either that or a better job of nepotism. They could be someone's cousin, be. uncle, brother. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, but also, too, most jobs upon hiring have wage ranges, and they can vary by education, experience, uh, book, of knowledge, book of business, meaning what contacts you have, or geographic location. So there's a number of things for it, right? You two were hired at the same time at, this, um, at the same place with the same level of experience. So the only apparent difference could be that uh, educational backgrounds or contract or contacts, but it doesn't sound like you're in a sales position, so I don't know if that's relevant. So there is something here that might be a little off in terms of that pay difference criteria alone, right? So um, I don't know what that is. But getting back to what you've done to date, it's great. You were assertive and you got something good for it. I means so far, so good. You got a little bit of a raise, you got a bonus, right? The problem you face is the job isn't the same job anymore because of what you know. And what you see daily is you busting your ass and this other person making wads more uh, for doing less. This isn't tenable. It creates resentment and it will increase over time and not decrease. So here's my advice. You need leverage. You need to look for another job. And if and when you secure an offer, go back to management and tell them either match the salary of this offer or the, or the person actually, or match the new offer of the higher job. Uh, now remember though, when you do this interviewing, you're not doing this interviewing to use these people, although there is advantage in doing this in terms of your own um, situation. You should be looking at jobs that you're actually interested in doing that might tempt you away. So, uh, because again, you cannot stay in a situation where resentment uh, sort of is present every day. I think you can do it. So, um, good luck with this. What do you think, Mary? I think that's really great advice. You know, it's sometimes it's time to play hardball. Yeah. I mean, and part of playing high hardball is to get the leverage and get another offer. Uh, so, I love, 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 love that advice, and it's really smart. Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about because uh, I think I assume there's a gender gap in here. I'm not sure why I did, but I it has that I, feel though, doesn't it? It had that feel. So, I just want to say a couple things to the the women out there and the organizational leaders is that the gender pay gap has remained relatively stable over the last 15 years or so. Um, it, in the 70s, it was at something like um, uh, we were at like 70, 70 cents to the dollar of men. Now we're like at 84% to the dollar of men. So we've made some progress, but it hasn't really done much mm -hmm. past the 84%. But one of the, and by the way, just so you know, do you know how long it would take uh, for how many extra, how many more days in a year a woman has to work uh, to uh, earn the same salary as a man? No, how many? Forty-two extra more days. That's 42. what eighty-three. Per, that's what eighty-three percent is at. Forty-two more days. Wow. Anyway, in twenty twenty. Um, one of the big problems is that women tend to start out, as you said, as, at a lower rate. Mm -hmm. And playing catch up is really hard because mm -hmm. what organizations do is they'll be like, oh, I'll give you a 5% raise or a 7% raise or a 10% raise. And so when you start out at a lower level, your pay discrepancy just keeps growing, right? Because right. it's very unusual for an organization to be like, oh, you're right. I am paying you less than than Chris DeSantis. So let me give you a 5% raise like they did instead of being like, let me give you as much as I give let's Chris. Let's match. So, yeah, right. let's match because they don't do that, right? Because they already got you cheap. 
Right. <laughs> They're going to keep getting you cheap. So I think other than that, like, I think that you, I I don't really have much to add to your advice. Uh, I think you need to look around. I think you need to not overplay the fairness card. Um, right. I wouldn't bring the other person up any more than they've already been brought up. I agree with you. I would do some market research, really make sure that you understand what your value is uh, and that you go to the company, preferably with another offer, but really say, here is, here, here's my salary expectations, needs, and wants. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. And lay it out in a business case why you are worth that money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, remember, Chris, we had that listener that wrote us back who said um, she was dealing with a boss that wasn't like loving on her. um, And she went to the boss's boss and the boss's boss got rid of the boss. So if they really do valuable value you, it's time for uh, them to step up and show you. It's time for them to show you the money. Show you the money. Chris, have you ever been paid less than somebody else for the same job? You know, I don't know that because I've been working on my own now for, um, oh, I don't know, close to 30 years. So when I look back, I don't think so because I worked inside companies that were more lockstep in the 80s. You see, back in the 80s, there wasn't that sort of high negotiation range in the larger companies that was just more set. But I don't know because I was a little, probably a little more naive. Uh, yeah. about the whole process. Right, let me make, give her one more piece of advice because yeah. if she's going to interview, one more thing I would say, whatever they offer you, make a face and say, let me think about it. Yeah. And then get back to them a, a day or two later and say, love what you're saying. I need to talk a little bit more about the money. It's not enough. Yeah, Regardless. I love that. Yeah. Regardless. Always do that. I have been paid less than people from the exact exact same thing. And I'm going to tell you a quick story. A couple of years ago, uh, this organization called me and wanted me to speak at a conference. And I said, well, I'd love to. And they and I said, here's my fee. And they said, oh, that's a little high for us. We've never heard you speak before. So for our first-time speakers, we only pay this amount. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So I did it. I killed it. Loved it. They loved me. The next year they call me back and they said, we want to have you come back and speak again. And I said, well, I'm not available, but how about if I have someone on my team come speak instead? And they said, that would be great. So I had one of my male colleagues Mm -mm. who has 10 years less experience than I I do. I know where this is Uh, going. Exactly. I'm like, you know, uh, 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 Chris, we'll just call him Chris. Uh, Chris, go ahead and talk to, you know, Hannah, we'll call her Hannah, who's organizing this conference. And I go and tell her you want this much money, which was twice as what they paid me. And you know what? They said, no problem to him. Which the funny thing is, of course, is I own the company. So the money came to me anyway. Did you (laughs) ever talk to them again about it? No, but I never did another job for them again. No, I never did because I was just like, you know, I knew it just because he was and I'm saying just because he was he was more of a stranger to them than I was. But he was a man. He asked for twice as much money and they just gave it to him ridiculous i know anyway yeah so it's unfair unfair that felt good to get that out it did right right really good i know um you know sometimes getting overpaid discrepancy at least for the for women is just to ask for the money that you want and then as you said as you said then shut up yeah make a face though make a a very subtle face like you've Ooh, did somebody fart in here (laughs) i love it all right i have another question for you are you ready i am ready All right. So uh, this question, oh, you're going to love this one. Uh, This one is uh, uh, is from First Time Rays in Racine. Dear Mary and Chris, 
I've just finished my first year in my first job at a medium-sized insurance company. Uh, Is it too soon to ask for a raise? How do I ask for a raise? How do I know how much to ask for? I don't want to come across as greedy, but I also want to ensure that my career and my salary progresses upwards. My parents say I should wait another year, but I'd like to get your opinion. Signed, first time raise and Racine. Chris, I know you are going to nail this. Please tell (laughs) our lovely young person uh, how to get the money. Show them the money, Chris. Show me the money. Okay, I like this question because uh, what I liked is that uh, I like that you want to do this and and you want to do something I should have done when I started. So ask ask for the raise, but before you do, make the case. Uh, So what tangible benefits did you provide this company over the last year? Here's the problem. Typically, in the first year of work, it involves more learning than it does producing. And so uh, you have to identify some key things that you did to either save money, make money, save time, or improve your boss's reputation. Uh, And then maybe you have a, a shot at getting it, right? As for how much, find out what the normal range is, because there's always a range. And I'm sure there's somebody inside the company that can help you with this. And you can ask around. Nobody's going to give you grief for doing that. Um, I, I would ask for an amount in the upper third of the range, not the top of the range, but in the upper third of the range. If, if, they, if you get a no, so be it. You might then follow up and say, well, what can you afford? That's sort of your, your game plan in that meeting. If they say no raise, then say, okay. Uh, try to get something more concrete than for the following year. So tell them, look, what do I need to do next year to make it to the top of the range? So then make them have that discussion with you. And don't let them just say to you, do some hard work. That's, that's <laughs> oh, do hard work. That's nothing. You say, what, what do you need from me to make it uh, evident that I deserve that? And then midway through the year, revisit where you are and where you want to be and remind them about where you're going. So I think it's great to go in there, be assertive. If you don't get what you want, then you have this plan B and you're ready to do it. I love it. You know, uh, one of the things I really liked uh, is how you started your advice off, which is, you know, in your first year, you're actually not that valuable to your <laughs> to your company, right? I, and so you have to be aware of that. Like you spent a lot of time learning. You are now just becoming valuable to your yes. company. Whenever I hire new consultants uh, who are, especially when they're new to consulting, I, I'm very honest. I'm like, you're not going to get paid jack your first year because <laughs> you bring no value to me your first year. Right. It takes you a year to really learn what we do. Uh, so that being said, if you were a good learner, I agree with Chris. It's okay. Go ask for a raise. Do your homework. Find out your worth. Put it in a business case. I would also say this. I'd also say find out what your how your company manages raises. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, you may get a cost of living raise automatically. Uh, so find out if what that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're automatically giving you raises, you know, you don't want to go and be like, I want to raise. And then like, well, you're getting one. Like you want to I, I make sure you understand what their process is. Right. And are there certain times of the year where they give raises? So you want to, I think you want to you know, find the rhythm of your company and what happens there. Like if you automatically get a 5% raise, then you know that what you're going to ask for is going to be on top of that. So you don't want to go ask for it. You know what I mean? Like, don't just ask for 5% if you're already getting 5%. Right. <laughs> ask for a little bit more. Can, um, uh, and other than that, like, I just, I think go for it. Why not? All they can do is say no. 
Yeah, and I will add one more thing because this is a this is a perceptual issue because of the generational distinction between you in terms of how they perceive you. And they might perceive you as again, they don't know you, but they'll think they know you by what they've read about people who are your age. Yeah. And so with that, you might be seen as somebody who is entitled in their eyes. Yeah. So in that sense they'll think, "Oh, you just th- you just think you deserve because you're showing up." And that's why the case becomes so important. You have to distinguish yourself from the from the stereotype yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, and I think the advice you gave about really making sure that you show the value to your yes. organization, this is an insurance company, right? And so insurance companies are very bottom line focused. So you've got really, you, you mm-hmm. know, you're not going to get a raise just because you came in and you did your job and you went home. Like you're really going to have to show your value for any sort of extra, uh, extra money or an extra pay. But I love that you cautioned about the, the, um, walking into the generational bias. You want to be right. careful you don't do that. Yeah, right. that's actually true. Uh, that's awesome. All right. For First time race. Do you think we should tell this person, and I assumed it was a her, that we did get a cut of that? Like that there's a finder's fee for us? And like, I think if she uses our advice and she gets it, I think that's worth 1% of her raise. No, I think if this were, we were recruiting her, I think we'd get at least a, a third of the salary. Right? I think that's fair. I think that's fair too. All right, Racine, I know your email. <laughs> Okay, so I left. I saved the best question for last. All right, uh, and this one, this one is about pay transparency. So, just for our listeners who don't know what pay transparency is, pay transparency is a movement that's been going on since like the seventies, but just is getting a lot more steam in the last like ten or fifteen years around uh, making people's salary transparent so that there's no secret what people make. And there's a whole spectrum of how they can do that. But this is instead of like holding like everyone's salary is a secret, this is about making it much more transparent who makes what and why. Mm-hmm. So Chris, my first question before we get into the question is, what is your general take on organizations uh, having pay transparency? Well, I, I think this is a tough question because I'm a bit old school about uh, somebody knowing my income, meaning that I, I think I, that's my business more than anyone else's. So I'm I'm okay with what I will call semi-transparent. And <laughs> opaqueness? What, You're okay with pay opaqueness? Well, it's 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 <laughs> what, it's veiled transparency. And the the way I would view it is, I would I would have a third party adjudicate how we are paying people and that let them tell us either we are being equitable or we are not being equitable. So wait, so for you, so your general take is pay, the only reason to do pay transparency needs to be uh, tied to being equitable. Yeah, well, okay. I, yes, because I, I want everyone to, I, again, this is a matter of, are we all getting paid the same thing for doing the same kind of work? And if we're not, then why why is this person doing getting that much more than others? And I think it's best to do that with a third party that we trust, a trusted party saying, look, we bring a group here and they decide for us as opposed to someone in the firm saying it because the people in the firm might already be perceived as being biased yeah. towards those who are getting more anyway. So that's the sort of the how which we'll get into for our question. But yes. I'm just seeing in general, what's your take? Is it a good idea, a bad idea? I, I you know, I, Are you on the fence still? Are you undecided? I, again, this is me personally, but I do know when we have things like Glassdoor or The Vault, when we have these organizations that put people's salaries out there already, I don't. I think the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure that we can hide it like we once did. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm actually a really big fan of pay transparency. Uh, I think it well, is. Well, you're all about talking about everybody. All about talking about money, <laughs> but I am. I think it's a really good opportunity for organizations to get their act together about how they pay people. I think it's a great opportunity for people to understand like where they stand. Uh, I think it, no, I just. I, I'm. I'm a huge, huge fan of it if it's done well. Yes, um, there you go. There you so, go. Which gets to our question. Uh, so if you are ready, yep. um, our question is from Tentative about transparency Ooh. in Tucson. Dear Cubicle Confidential, I'm an HR manager at a small tech firm, and our CEO wants to make everyone's salary transparent. We currently have about 35 employees, and our salaries are all over the place. Mm. It's going to be my job to roll this initiative out. I'm not sure our leader has really thought through this, and I'm nervous about the impact that this will have on company morale. I am afraid that this will open up a huge can of worms that and that people will be upset by the pay discrepancies. Any advice on how to do this well? Signed, tentative about transparency in Tucson. I know this is a huge topic, so take a crack at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this will be. I'll, I'll be quick because I think you 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 have some thoughts on this as well that I think are going to be very useful. First of all, I think this is much a cultural issue as it is one of equity, right? Since the CEO wants it and it's a small firm, then I'm good with it uh, with a few caveats. Few caveats. First off, before you announce it, you have to be able to defend your decisions. And you need to be clear as to why you pay people what you pay them for. What are the skills, the education, the experiences, the certificates, the responsibilities do they have, and how do you assign value to them? See, this exercise will likely result in pay adjustments for some. Yeah. Now, having said that, this will mean lifting salaries, not reducing them. Everyone, So this is going to cost some money. It's ka-ching, ka-ching. So, okay. <laughs> also going forward, it'll, mean, it'll also mean less negotiation when you're recruiting and less infighting about differences because everything has an assignation of value. So I think- Benefit, the, benefit, benefit, exactly, right? Exactly. That's yeah. good. That's good. But before you in, uh, embark on the process, I would suggest the CEO writes a missive as to why she believes this is the direction the firm needs to take. I would then emphasize things like trust, fairness, inclusivity, what exceptional looks like, how to be equitable. And I would put a poll, and I would then poll the entire firm uh, as to, is this a journey we want to embark upon? And, and, and I would put a small committee together of people that other people listen to and ask the question, what do we need to be aware of or cautious of when we embark on this journey? I say that but in, instead of getting 35 voices, I'd rather get five really key voices that other people listen to. Um, then I would hold the CEO to the decision uh, and, and, and make this a transparent process. Yeah, I love it. That's so it's great advice, you know, and I love that you want to make the process of paid transparency yeah. transparent. Like, yeah. that's really good. Even though I'm not a big fan of organizations as democracies, <laughs> right. I, this would, is, right. I wouldn't ask their opinion whether we should do it. I would say, like, how can we do this well? But that's just because I'm kind of a, an autocrat at, at heart. <laughs> right. But let, he's only got 35 people. And if he yeah. finds out 25 don't want to do this, He's going to lose some of these people and yeah. only please the minority. Uh, yeah. and you can't, uh, he's, he doesn't have the he doesn't have the numbers of people not to attend to them. Yeah, 
I, yeah, and I still, I still think something as important as this. Uh, I still would don't think I would do a, a democracy. A oh no, no, no. I, I'm. I, in fact, I, I would, I would say I would like to know your view on this relative to the decision we, the, the management yes. committee, will make. Yes, 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 yes. absolutely. Yeah, I'm yes. not going to let them make the decision. But I, I agree. Being transparent, getting their input, like with any initial or any big change, like you've got to involve everybody in that change. Yeah. You've got yeah. to win all the hearts and minds, or at least find out what's keeping you from winning them. Um, uh, I would say a couple of things. Uh, I would say, um, let me start, let me just back it up for a minute. Sure. Um, I think you need to be really clear on what level of pay transparency you're going to do because there's multiple levels. There's the uh, transparency where um, everyone knows everybody's salary because they're posted somewhere. That's like the, mm-hmm. whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's also more transparency around knowing what people in your department make. There's also transparency about knowing uh, 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 um, the pay ranges at the different steps. So mm-hmm. get really clear on what you're going to be transparent about, mm-hmm. how much information you're sharing because that's going to be one of the things people ask about um and as we talked about earlier there's some benefits so you want to make sure you sell the benefits when you're doing this change as chris said earlier it's one of the best things that you can do to create equitable pay for equal work because once you have this transparent payout there you've got to be really clear about as chris said you know, what are the objective criteria for making that? So uh, uh, it's going to help you do that. And apparently, according to research, pay transparency increases retention because people don't feel like they're getting screwed over. Right. People like know uh, how much they're making relative to others or how much they're supposed to make. They actually tend to stay a lot longer. Uh, so I agree with everything Chris said. I would definitely make sure you do, uh, 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 do a pay analysis for each and every job, like know what you're getting into. I love the idea of bringing in a third party to do an audit because you're going to you want to know ahead of time who's getting screwed and who's right. getting overpaid because you, there is going to be angst around this. So you're going to want to make sure you prepare for that. And then really do the hard work of updating all your roles, all your job mm-hmm. descriptions, all your performance management metrics and measures, because if now your pay is going to be uh, tied to performance metrics, you're going to have to go look at all of those, right? So you're going to have to really do a lot of homework and a lot of legwork. And I'll also say this, you're going to have to teach, I think Chris alluded to this, you have to teach managers like how to performance manage now based on the metrics and the new job descriptions and the new criteria uh, and get them all talking. So I say go for it. I think a a company the size of 35 is actually a great size to start with this. It's always easier to pay transparency when you're a small company or a new company. It's those big companies that make it really hard. That way gets really hard. That's great. I also had one funny factoid, if I can find it, is that um, I found this great survey that talked about people's, oh, here we go, people's perception of how much they get paid compared to others. Uh, So (laughs) what percentage of people um, who are, are actually paid above market believe they're paid above market what percentage of people are actually paid above market believe they're above market yeah i would say believe they're above i would say less than 50 percent 16 percent of people 
yeah. 42% of people who are, who are paid above market think that they're paid at market. Yeah. 44% of people who are paid above market think that they're paid below market. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So sense. here's, here's another one for you. Uh, what percentage of people, um, who are paid below market believe they're paid below market? What percentage of people below market I believe they're I'd say that's in the 80s. Yeah, you're very close. So so people who are below market, 72% of people know that. Uh 24% people think they're at market and 4% think that they are above market. Uh well, let's here's keep my that last 4%. <laughs> I know. I mean, people really don't know how much they're worth. They don't yeah, do their homework. No. Uh all right, so here's the question. How many people who are paid at market uh think that they're paid at market? Oh, I'll bet you that's very small. I give you 10. It's actually 37%. Oh, really? Um, uh, and 57% of people who are paid at market believe they're paid under market. Huh. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I'm all for paid transparency because well, it can help you show me the money. I agree. I agree. The, <laughs> the only problem I have with paid transparency is that, not the only problem, but one of the ch challenges with is it's one thing to call somebody a new accountant, in, but when you, when, you, when you really get down into the jobs people do, they are, they're really customized to the work, the situation they're in. So they're not yeah. always equal in that respect. Yeah. That's one of the challenges, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't think pay transparency is easy to do, yeah. but I think that it can be very helpful for organizations. Because let's be honest, I mean, how many organizations do you know that actually have like any kind of structure or thought to how much they pay people? No, um, I agree. I, and, You I know, agree. like, and anyone, and I think it, yeah. So yeah, I think we're in agreement. It can work, but it's got to be done right. I agree. I agree. Well, we right. solved three more problems three this more? week. Show we showed the you money. the money. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. A huge thanks to our amazing, overworked, and underpaid producer. <laughs> Transparently <laughs> underpaid. <laughs> Yes, we are transparent about the lack of pay that we give Jack. I don't feel so bad about it anymore. Uh, if you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout. No question is too large. No question is too small or too cheap. Uh, and there are lots of ways you can reach us. You can email us at info at cubicleconfidential.com. You can tweet us at cubicleconfide1 or connect with us on LinkedIn. Cubicle Confidential, Chris DeSantis, or Mary Abajay. People were everywhere. And until we see you next week, work hard, be kind, show me the money. And if you can't, call Chris. <laughs> Jack, let's hear some expensive music. <laughs>